you're nailing it because the connection between them in my story is me. We all have our own unique story. So the real connection is the person living that life. Welcome back to Passionate Pursuits, powered by Quirins Coaching, LLC. I'm your host, Bridget Quirins. Did you ever get a scene from a movie or TV show stuck in your head and you just couldn't stop replaying it? I have a scene that my soul keeps on repeat, a scene starring your future self. Mind if I share it with you? It begins with you exactly where you are today, daydreaming, allowing yourself to connect to the highest vibration and vision for your life. In what feels like an instant, you're sucked into your vision and transported to your future. You feel so at home in yourself, there's no trace of doubt. You wake up with purpose and joy. The excitement you feel for every moment is almost unbelievable, except for the fact that you're living it so you know it's real. Confirmation, synchronicity, and support arrive in never-ending waves, carrying you from moment to moment with confidence and ease. You've done it. You just connected with your higher self. That lightness and love you feel right now isn't just your imagination. It's an invitation to a new way of living of coming home to yourself, of being whole again. In just four short weeks, you'll have the opportunity to work with me on bringing that vision to life for real, and it's completely free. I know, what's the catch? There really isn't one. I'm only taking the first three individuals who are fully ready to do the work and activate their potential. This will be a two-month container with an option to extend the relationship if you desire. We will engage through Zoom in one-on-one sessions bi-weekly. And in between, you'll receive guided, short self-reflections to continue to do the work. And the process will be as structured or as free-flowing as you need, but you're always in the driver's seat. So stay tuned, follow me on Instagram and Facebook if you don't already, and make sure to secure your spot when I drop this special offer on Monday, May 22nd. Ben Albert calls himself a regular guy with an irregular vision. He is the CEO of Belbert Marketing, LLC, and curator of the Real Business Connections Network, a network of six podcasts on a mission to move the needle on one million lives. Welcome to the show, Ben. Bridget, I'm excited to be here. Excited for our conversation today. Yeah, I am excited to let our guests in on how this kind of brings my podcasting journey full circle so far. So for anyone who isn't familiar in on the secret, when I first was batting around the idea of starting a podcast, I was told by multiple people, oh, you have to talk to Ben, not only because he's local to me here in Rochester, New York, but also because his podcasts happen to be in the top 2% worldwide. So that was a an obvious, you know, go talk to him and find a mentor who can help you get started on the journey. So needless to say, since Ben is such an approachable and kind person, he did offer to sit with me via Zoom and chat about starting the podcast. But the honestly, the biggest thing that I got out of it was just get started, which is exactly what I needed to hear. And also the worst piece of advice, (laughs) because I say this because Mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing to do. The We all know when you're starting something, the biggest, most difficult, most scary part of it is just 
doing something. And Ben, you're a huge proponent of just taking a step, any step, even a tiny step in that direction. So that was what you urged me to do. And that is what I did. And now here we are, and I'm chatting with you about podcasting, which is just really incredible and wonderful. So thank you for being here. You did it. You're doing it. You <laughs> used the word mentor. I was anything but that because we talked <laughs> once and I know you were talking to people and planning your attack and, and really getting excited about it. We talked briefly one time mm -hmm. and then before you know it, you had an awesome show and multiple guests and new cover art. And I'm like, she's really a go-getter. And mm -hmm. I love that because I didn't mentor you. We had one conversation and you were the kind of action-driven person that went and actually made it happen. So I, I commend you for that part. You know, I say, I say mentor and really I take this also from your script, but I love podcasts. I love them because when I host them, I get to sit in the presence of someone who has so much more wisdom in any particular area than I do and just glean from them one-on-one, -on -one, which is the most incredible value. But then also I love listening to them because I can get so much information and so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom from listening to podcasts that it has revolutionized the way we learn and the way we absorb knowledge. We can sit in the presence, like I said, of these people who are so gifted and learn from them. And you don't even know how much knowledge is right here on this tiny little device that you have access to at any given moment. You don't have to wait for it to be delivered to you. So it's true. You mentored me. You mentored me through watching you do what you do so naturally and getting to listen to the way in which you interact with people. So you you may not see that, but I think you do that for many, many people. And this goes back to you have a mission to move the needle on a million lives. What does that mean to you? It's a difficult question. And I should have a beautiful answer because it is part of my mission, but it looks different in every circumstance. And I like to add the word actually. Mm. I don't think you change someone's life. Let's say I pose, this is a ridiculous example, but I post a photo of my six pack and I don't have a six pack, so it's already ridiculous. <laughs> and I get a bunch of likes. That didn't move the needle on their life. I want a one conversation at, uh, at a time, create those aha light bulb moments that people take even the smallest action that ends up accumulating into larger actions long-term. And one conversation, whether it's one-to-one -one or one-to-many on the podcast or just the person at the grocery store, if I can move the needle on a million lives, which again, isn't a billion, it's a million. I feel like it's doable. And if multiple people can be on this mission with me, it's not, I'm not moving the needle alone. I'm doing it with other people. Yes. The world's a better place. And the reason I don't have a perfect answer is I don't know who needs to hear what, when, or why. So I don't have the perfect message that's tailored to the perfect audience. I just know that if I speak my truth, as you do speak your truth, we can uh, stories and narratives and tips that can create, you know, shorten the time for people that listen, but we don't really get to choose what works. It depends on who they are and where they are 
And I feel like I strike gold when I say the right thing at the right time, but it's really just a labor of love and kind of learning as you go. Yeah, I think it's honoring the concept of just putting out there what you can put out there and delivering the value that you have to deliver. Because like you said, we don't know. We don't know who needs to hear what we have to say. But if we are responsible just to putting the message out there, then I just really feel that I'm a very spiritual person. So I will say, I just feel that God will bring the right people to that place where they can hear what they need to hear. That's that's why I trust this medium with my message. Mm. So it seems to me, as I've observed the growth that you've experienced, that you have to be very strategic and tactical to accomplish what you have in such a short amount of time. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's kind of two answers. Um, The first answer is yes, strategy helps, tactics help. Um, The more nuanced answer is you need to be, everything that's happening in our life is preparing us for the next step in our life. And there's no strategy behind that. It's just like our life experiences um, compounding upon each other and preparing us. So I started a music podcast in 2016 simply because I'll be transparent. I drank, I went out all the time, and I wanted to get into places for free. And I was finding myself at the bar late at night asking myself the question, am I a contributor or am I just a consumer? And that's not to demean anyone because as someone who worked in the music industry, people that are coming to just take time off and consume are what run the industry. We need seats in the venue. We need people at the bar. It it doesn't occur. And musicians are already underpaid in so many ways. Artists are already underpaid. But I just felt like I was a huge consumer and I wasn't adding any value. So I made the tiny little step to just start a music podcast. Of course, it got me into places for free. And I learned, and I started podcasting, learning this stuff in 2016, sloppily just figuring it out as I went. So when I launched a business show, we can go into any part of the story you want, but I had been furloughed. I started a podcast. I started my marketing firm. I launched a business show in the midst of COVID in 2020. Everything that I learned in the music show actually prepared me to be more strategic in the next phase of my life. So I didn't go into it with a good strategy, but I learned a lot of nuanced things just by going into it for fun. And then that prepared me for the strategy. So there's a lot at play. I believe strategy is great. It'll help, you know, get people from zero to a hundred a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that personal growth and that life experience that allows you to implement the strategy. Because I could give someone, it would probably bore people, I could give someone every single tactic right now, but it's not going to work without a lot of the empathy and the patience yeah. and the communication skills and a lot of things that are kind of hard to teach just on a podcast itself. Yeah, when you said that, it made me think, what does it look like to find your purpose and find your place? Is it simply following breadcrumbs through your life? Or is there more to that? Is there sort of this, yes, I'm following the breadcrumbs, but I'm also reflecting on my natural strengths and my talents and my zone of genius. 
as I'm doing that? What does that look like? I think you kind of just nailed it. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's leaning into our strengths and by doing things that make us uncomfortable, like I'd like to, I'm sure the listeners are curious, you were just on a podcast and you host a show, but then being a guest was a slight discomfort, I imagine, mm -hmm. by doing what we're strong at and kind of noticing our weak points, we can work on both simultaneously. Um, but it takes time, action, and patience. And I think you said it well. I'm just expanding on on what you had said there, Bridget. Yeah, that noticing our weak points is such a huge thing that stood out to me because I, I had it in the back of my mind to ask you, you do so much. You really have a suite of businesses underneath you. How does one person keep all of that going? How do you keep all the plates spinning? I don't know if I can, I, if I, the, the easiest answer is I don't know. And I'm a moderately obsessive person. <laughs> so very young in life, I was obsessed with basketball. I had a Jersey for every single day of the week. I wanted to be a basketball player, even though I was never going to live by, to be taller than five, eight. <laughs> and later in life, I got obsessed with music and honestly, as a extension of becoming obsessed with music, I got to a point where I would smoke weed almost daily and I would drink to excess, not saying weed's bad, not saying alcohol is bad, but I would do it to excess. Mm -hmm. Now I took business and I'm just doing that to excess. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there's no easy answer other than when you feel fulfillment and energy and you're passionate about what you're doing, it becomes a lot easier and one thing that I've learned over time, and let's use time and money, which we could do a seminar on. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, money's just a tool. And money's just a tool to get places quicker and to save yourself time. And I didn't invest in myself most of my life. Like I did by reading, but you know, the, the thought of paying for a coach, as an example, was out of my paradigm most of my life. The thought of paying $4,000 for a training, which I know nowadays that the inside I get from that $4,000 training could make me 400K if I utilize what I learned. Yeah. That wasn't in my paradigm. The biggest thing I did to allow me to spin all these plates is I started to outsource. Mm -hmm. So I have a freelance VA. Um, my editing, a lot of it's done by AI. I have a freelance show notes writer because he does an incredible job at putting together the timestamps and kind mm -hmm. of giving the baseline. And since I had the conversation, I can rewrite the show notes in about five minutes, mm -hmm. but he builds the framework for me. And by outsourcing little things, it puts more time on my table so I can fit more plates at the table. But Another thing, which is a whole different conversation, is I've realized I've been spinning too many plates mm -hmm. and to avoid all of them falling, I've actually been taking a couple plates off. Mm -hmm. And in the future, like if you go to my website, it's like, oh my God, you do so many things. In the future, you're going to see me doing less things, but I wasn't able to figure out what I wanted to do mm -hmm. until I did them all. <laughs> oh, I love so, that. A little bit of obsession, a little bit of neurosis, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of outsourcing, and Ben just being Ben. So not everyone's journey is going to look like mine. I actually hope most people's don't, um, but extract what you want from that because it's working for me. 
Mm, so many, so many good points there. I just want to start with the idea that you sort of let off with, which is when we're beginning, we're trading our time for money. That is what you do when you go to work. You trade some of your time for a paycheck. And then as you get going, you have the luxury of being able to trade that money to buy back some of that time. And as you buy back that time, what happens is exactly what you described. You find these are my areas that I love to do the work in. These are the areas where I'm really strong in. Mm -hmm. And I can take all those other little dessert plates and hand them off to other people who have the gifts and talents and time and desire to pick those up. So then that allows you to become even more of a genius in those areas of strength, which is, that's the whole goal. I mean, that is my goal as a coach is to help people realize these are my areas of strength and I don't have to go find all my weaknesses and grow them as well. That's not going to get me the success that I'm hoping to have. That's not, that's not going to give me fulfillment. What's fulfilling in our lives is finding the few areas where we're so strong and where we mm. really, really find fulfillment and joy and strengthening those and building on those, which is what you're doing now. And that's a beautiful thing. I think one thing that's important, I want to put an exclamation point, is you mentioned fulfillment and strength. Mm. Um, there's a flow between the two that yeah. you're fulfilled by doing it and you're brilliant at it that's the line you want to walk because you mm -hmm. can be a genius at something there's things i'm smart at but it doesn't yeah. bring me much joy and then there's things that are really joyful but i'm terrible at i love music but i'm not a great musician so if i were to mm -hmm. put all my time maybe i could become better um, but maybe that's not a good use of time so it might not be the thing that brings you the most joy and yes. it might not be the thing that bring you're a genius at but if it's the thing that balances both of them Mm -hmm. in a category of limitless potential, that's the sweet spot. And I think it's really hard to find that sweet spot without trying a couple of things. Yes, absolutely. Yes, because as you were telling your story of, of sort of how you followed breadcrumbs, I, I went from basketball to music to business. It doesn't seem to an outside observer that those things all connect, but it's following those breadcrumbs and going, okay, how does this relate to my strengths? Okay, I can take that piece of, of data, just collect data, just be a researcher on your life and collect those points of data because you get enough of them and you've got the whole loaf of bread, but it's not going to come overnight. You don't make a loaf of bread from breadcrumbs overnight. But a, a great researcher and someone who can be very introspective can connect those things more quickly you're nailing it because the connection between them in my story is me and mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same we all have our own unique story so yeah. people might be like wow i lived in new zealand and then i was a nurse and then i become a entrepreneur and now i'm a writer the real connection is the person living that life yeah so you just nailed it like the values and the experiences kind of molded together and it doesn't always look like uh the beautiful artwork we imagined it mm. would be but it's it may, my, i feel like sometimes if i was a painting i would just be brown <laughs> <laughs> but that's beside the point ben i've seen some very expensive brown paintings so <laughs> who's to say where the value is if you watch someone in the process of painting i know quite a few painters 
where they start and what they do in between is a mess compared to that final product. When you see the final product, you could never have guessed the evolution of that painting. This connects perfectly with this other idea that was rattling around, which is when I see someone who is uber successful, my first thought is they're probably more knowledgeable than me and they're probably working harder to get there. But something you say, and I've picked up on, is we are going to fall short 100% of the time if we rely on knowledge and hard work alone. So what closes that gap? The person you're observing closes the gap. Um, And what I mean by that is, so they could be working harder, but only by a fraction. And they could Mm. be more successful, but only by a fraction. But what is their life circumstance? What hand were they were dealt? What did their parents look like? What is their age? Because they could be on the exact same. You could be on a faster trajectory. Mm. They're just farther along based on your perception, but mm-hmm. you're actually going to surpass them. And a lot of times what's going to close that gap is making friends with them. And that could yeah. be making friends that can be hiring, that can be listening to their podcast. But if you're like, wow, I'm really impressed with what you're doing. How did you do it? And they can Mm -hmm. be like, this is how I did it. And then you can do what they tell you to do, but not forget who you are and put your own sweet spice on what they did. You can surpass them. And even if you don't want to surpass them, Mm -hmm. you can get to where you're trying to go. I'll use a really simple example. Um, Gary V, Brene Brown, two people I'd love to have I'm like pausing because I don't want their life. Like I'm impressed with it. I'd love to have that capacity, but I'd rather live a humbler life. So I don't even Mm -hmm. want to get as far as along. So that's another question. Is -hmm. this person that I'm idolizing, do they actually have the life I want? Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of times they actually don't. Kobe Mm -hmm. Bryant, love him to death. He put all his life into basketball. When you watch Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, he did not have fulfillment yeah. in his life outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. And this is not to put, these are like idols of mine, yeah. but I don't know if I would want to take their spot. I don't know. Absolutely truthful. What part of life is left for living in that scenario? Yeah. If you're living your life and it's all this front facing content marketing, I am who this brand that I've built and that's, all I am, then what part of you is left for actually doing the inner work, family, um, leisure time that, that almost evaporates when you get to that point. And no, I don't want that either, but I do, I do love the idea of, we don't need to have the answers. In fact, we are more powerful when we have the right questions than we are when we have the answers. I, I spent a decade teaching my students how to ask the right questions. I was an English teacher, high school English mm-hmm. teacher. Now I, hopefully soon, will get paid for asking the right questions. But I love what I do because I don't ever need the answers. All I have to do is go to the people with the correct question. And that's really the key is not finding the right person, but knowing the question to ask them and extract that knowledge that I'm looking for. So we get super powerful when we show up with a bunch of questions 
which is just so cool. You don't have to be the smart person in the room. You just have to know how to ask the right questions at the right time to the right person. How neat is that? It's amazing. And you say you say you get paid to ask questions. I mean, what a life. How have you learned to tailor those questions and ask the right questions, though? By asking them is the short answer. <laughs> it's funny because I never really took a course. Um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and this yeah. was something that was rambling kind of through my head as you were talking about asking questions. A lot of times you don't know what to ask. And a lot of my podcasts, especially at the start, was me not knowing what to ask and being like, almost just letting, putting my anxiety on the table. And yeah. then they would pick me up and answer my silly question. And a lot of times those raw, stupid, silly questions are the best questions because they're the ones that people are curious about, mm -hmm. but no one wants to ask <laughs> is part of it. But let's say you don't have the perfect question you still get better from osmosis yeah. surrounding yourself with these people that you're there met i have like thousands of mentors in my life because i've listened to thousands of podcasts and yeah. through osmosis i pick it up so there's lots of different for example larry king would almost irritate there's a funny clip of jerry seinfeld getting really pissed off at larry king because mm. like have you have you even watched my stuff do you because he <laughs> asks the most simple concise questions he'll literally just say why like that's it he'll let them talk and just go why and he'll ask these simple concise questions but he's there as a liaison to give them a platform to speak and he'll challenge but he's not a highly opinion-based kind of it's just not how he does it. Mm -hmm. um, a Joe Rogan lover or hate him. The reason he's popular is he's so darn conversational mm -hmm. and he's intelligent at a lot of topics. He'll bring on a neuroscientist, then he'll bring on an MMA fighter, then he'll bring on an actor, and he can hold a conversations in a lot of different categories. So these mm -hmm. are humans that are completely different, but both very darn successful yeah. just because they're leaning into their strengths. And I think the key here is they're highly curious yes. and they're highly present because um, there isn't a perfect question. Another example, I'll just give one more. Chris Van Vliet, because he was on my show, he's a four-time Emmy Award-winning interviewer, mm. and he um, does a lot of junket interviews. And a junket interview is where you have maximum 10 minutes. In some cases, mm. the actor stays in the chair, and they have reporters come in one at a time to do a five to 10 minute interview. Yeah. In another case, they're walking down a carpet, and you're given one question. In a scenario like Chris Van Vliet, when he only has one question, he massively prepares, mm -hmm. knowing that people are going to ask simple, you know, surface level questions. And in a conversational context, you want to ask simple surface level questions. But right. if you're a journalist and you're trying to do the research, you only have one question and it's going to become a soundbite, mm -hmm. he would spend hours of time preparing one question and that 30 second slot they gave him would turn into three or five mm -hmm. simply because he hooked them with the proper question so this is my way of saying i don't have the correct answer other than to look at your mentors and people that ask good questions and people that are where you're trying to go mm -hmm. figure out what your style is 
and really just kind of mimic, <laughs> mimic the things that worked for them and do the best to do it in your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And through that studying and mimicking, you will get to the point where you find the sweet spot of, like you said, here are my strengths. These are all people who are massively successful and they look completely different. And that's because they're leaning into their zone of genius, not somebody else's, not a mentor, not a friend, not what their family members told them to do, but they have found it and they're applying it. And that time and time again is where we really find a sweet spot. I'm going to, I'm going to get microscopic. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So I, I noticed you mentioned found it and that's where we find a sweet spot. So I know as someone listening to you that the word found for whatever reason is a narrative we could continue on. Mm -hmm. So I could ask, is there times where you didn't expect to find something and you found exactly what you were looking for? Mm -hmm. All I did is take something and expand on it. And it's impossible, not impossible. It's hard to teach that yeah. just like a quick discussion. It's paying attention to body language, how their tone changes. A lot of my podcasts start very simple. I read their bio and I say something like, Bridget, now that we got the bio out of the way, you've accomplished amazing things. Have you ever felt like just throwing in the towel or have you ever had a nosebleed mm. or have you ever felt like, what am I doing? Like, I feel like I'm an imposter mm. and that's kind of a quick early hit. I usually, yep. hopefully I have some rapport pre-interview before I do that quick early hit. A lot of people will be go into a childhood story. A lot of people dive, it'll start the conversation. There's some scenarios where people are like, you know, I do struggle sometimes. I, I had a rough day this morning and kind of go into something different. Mm. Based on their response, I get a little more intuition as to where to take it. Are they yeah. going to be a little more uh, rational with their answers? Are they going to talk about, are they going to speak through a story? Are they going to be a little too guarded? If they're too guarded, I kind of want to know. Yeah. I'm not going to hit them with those hard questions, but I might bring it back up later on, but it's just through experience, intuition, mm -hmm. and there's people that teach this stuff. I'm being transparent. There's people that teach this stuff. I'm not an expert on it, mm -hmm. but I learned it just by osmosis being in the seat, having those conversations. You start to learn it over time. Yeah. So interesting. And I'm going to do this just because you said <laughs> intuition two times. And this is also what coaches do. What is coaching? You're picking up on clues that someone is laying down that they may not even notice they've put there. And your job is to pick those back up and mirror. But you said intuition. And this is so interesting to me because conversations around intuition, emotional intelligence are conversations that I typically have with women. Where does intuition come into play for you? And how have you learned to trust that? Well, as a man identifying as the male, I believe like one of the biggest struggles with traditional masculinity mm -hmm. is not having that like intuition could sound emotional or mm -hmm. kind of like just cheesy to some people. I It's not in my paradigm, so it's kind of confusing to me. But I think the strongest, like most powerful leaders have compassion and intuition and listening skills, and they don't just have vision. They create an environment. They're not just a thought leader. They're actually a, a the person who asks questions and brings the right people to the table. 
So as a man, I feel like it just makes me a stronger man and a stronger human, male or female, by taking intuition with action, with storyline, with vulnerability, with taking like responsibility for my actions. I'm kind of weaving all this stuff together, but I, I just think it's massively important, male or female, from a male perspective that honestly doesn't always get <laughs> traditional <laughs> male perspectives. I, I think most men have that intuition. For mm-hmm. some reason, possibly we suppress it or we have that emotion or compassion, but we are taught that we're vulnerable if we show it. And I just think that's ridiculous. So I'm not even the right person to talk to about it. I think you're exactly the right person because you've found a way to integrate that and look at what you've been able to do. Look at where you've come and what you've accomplished. It's because you haven't shied away from what makes you uniquely who you are. You've embraced all of that. And again, here we go back to the the strengths narrative, but your strengths sometimes show up as massive areas of insecurity. Mm. And when you heal those places and you learn to integrate those strengths in a way, it makes you so much more approachable and so much more whole as a person. And you've created what very few other people have created because I think in part you have integrated those areas so beautifully. It's it's you, it's not anybody else. Ben Albert is Belbert Marketing because you're not anybody else. It's true. Something I thought to chat with you about was the saying is, you know, your energy goes, your energy flows where your attention goes. Mm -hmm. Did you set out with your podcast to become one of the top 2% of podcasts worldwide? No, I didn't even know there is a metric. And even that metric, it's listennotes.com. If anyone hasn't used Listen Notes, mm. it's really cool. It's like the Nielsen ratings of podcasts. It's cool. Hmm. I didn't know that existed. I, I, I honestly, I didn't quite have a complex plan. And we can go businessy if you want, but the super short version is I was a new business owner from Rochester, New York. I was a marketing company, which was a minnow in an ocean of marketing companies. No one knew who I was, but I was born and raised in Rochester. I had a music podcast. I loved my city. And at the core, business owners from Rochester, New York are my target client and my target mentor. So I didn't really have a plan. Oh, I'm going to be the top 2%. What's crazy is when I started drifting away from Rochester, I actually saw a plateau and decrease in downloads temporarily because mm. most of my listeners were Rochester and I was rebranding out of Rochester and mm. I was kind of all over the place. So I was actually plateauing, plateauing. but I started, I want to talk to Rochester business owners and worst case scenario, I get to talk to Rochester business owners. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a no brainer for me as a learner and as a marketing strategy. And then as I rebranded, it was really just like, I want to talk to more than just Rochester business owners. It was very self-serving. I'm being Mm -hmm. honest. It was very much, this is what Ben needs. 
but I'm going to document the experience because I know, know it can help other people. Mm -hmm. And I had mentors from all across the globe that weren't from Rochester, and I wanted to invite them on the show as well. So I started inviting them on the show as well, and I rebranded. But there wasn't like a metric or a North Star or a SMART goal. It was like, okay, Ben, if you talk to people smarter than you and click record, you're creating content and learning. That was Amen. mostly to the extent. <laughs> yeah. And I was getting in, and we mentioned it was during 2020, it was during COVID. I was getting in the door in a virtual world where we were longing for connection and yeah. people weren't having sit downs. And I joke about this. What sounds better? Hey, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. Subtext is coffee is $3. You have to drive all the way. You maybe have to freaking wipe your car off because of the snow. You have to meet a stranger, meet them for coffee. They buy you a $3 cup and then you pick their brain. And the metaphor of picking a brain just makes me nauseous. I just, that's a personal yeah. pet peeve. <laughs> but the concept of picking their brain almost to me sounds like you're taking part of their brain and picking it off. Like it actually sounds mm. like it's negative to me. This is just me going kind of a little crazy. Or option two is, you don't have to leave your house. Some of the subtext is you can be in your pajama pants. You can schedule in like hardly no time. I'd love to meet you on Zoom and endorse you as one of the business leaders in Rochester or in the world or any scenario on my podcast. I think you can add a lot of value to my audience. It's very easy to take option B and option A uh, just makes me nauseous to think about. So when you look at it like that, all I did is take option B, but I didn't really have a perfect plan. I just knew that podcasting would allow me to move in the direction I wanted to go. And luckily, it, 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 there's numbers to show for it now, yeah. but I would do it without the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a joy to get to do and to get to show up every day. It's true. And it really, it creates this instant value that you have to offer that I haven't found anything else that really does it the way that podcasting does in mm. my business experience yet. You said, pick your brain bothers you. Just a side note, my my mentor, Molly Grisham, calls it borrow my brain. And I love that. That's what we do. That's what we do as podcasters. We borrow someone's brain for 30, 40, 50 minutes. Yeah. It's a little bit oh. less zombie flick, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we could iterate i'd love to hear her perspective but you don't even have to borrow it because it, it's not leaving them yeah you're just you're sharing time with it basically yep. yeah so, so sometimes i think i i'm looking at my bookshelf there's books that people have borrowed that i've never got back <laughs> but it's almost like hey can i read your book with you like it's mm. it's 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 you're sharing it so i'm iterating yeah. a little bit um, but yeah, it's, it's a very low risk ask yeah. for the other person. Yeah, that's true. Totally. In your story, you were mentioning pandemic and you had first talked about leveraging what makes you unique, which was being a business owner in Rochester. Let's just hone in. People say, you know, find your niche and you did that kind of automatically, but then you flipped it on its head and you started leveraging the obstacles that were supposedly set up against you as well. And that's so interesting because COVID looked like an obstacle to so, to so many people. But what created an obstacle for others, you said, mm, 
no, thank you. I'm going to turn that obstacle into something that also works for me, which is I don't have to leave my house. I can get in front of you on Zoom. You can wear your pajama pants, brew your own coffee if you like it that way. Yeah. And there you go. It's just a different way of looking at the same building blocks, I think. I think so. It, it comes in handy that I'm a little introverted and a little anxious that going on a lot of one-to-one -one coffee meetings isn't my most comfortable medium. My most comfortable medium is when there's not a lot of chatter or distractions. I'm a little ADHD where I can go deep with somebody. So I was able to lean into strengths of mine. Mm. Someone who loves to go to large chamber events would have a different scenario that they can't go to these large chamber events anymore. Um, a question I ask myself there is if I used to go to a lot of chamber events, I would still try to probably do one-to-ones with as mm. many people as I can because the big events aren't possible. Let's wear a mask and do a one-to-one. -one. And a lot of people did that for me. I'm sure a lot of people were still willing to do that. So that's my... It's interesting because it worked for me. It, challenges bring different challenges. Challenges bring challenges. <laughs> Ch challenges bring different, you know, challenges. It's so funny I'm saying that. One more time. Challenges bring <laughs> different challenges based on who you are and where you are in your life. So yeah. I'm lucky to that it, I was able to hone my strengths, but... I'm mindful enough to know that it was really difficult for a lot of people and we didn't have a handbook on mm -hmm. the best way to handle a pandemic. Yeah. So my hope and I live with gratitude that we got to learn something super brand new and super out of the left field. And my hope is that a lot of us left it better than when, when we started. Mm, I absolutely hope the same thing. And I've said the pandemic was a gift to me, but I'm mm. also very mindful of the fact that it was extremely difficult for many people and resulted in loss of lives. And I'm not downplaying that to any extent. Yeah. That is terrible. And for those for whom it was terrible, I can hold space and still be grateful for what it did for me as well. I'm, I'm really curious, how did this quiet, um, intuitive guy find his way from podcast to first client for his small fish, you know, minnow marketing firm. How did you do that? What, what was, what was that magical thread? So there's a few things that was going on. Um, I was, this is a side note. Um, we're not going to dive into, but I was selling, as a 1099 freelance employee, I was selling mm. magazine advertising for a local paper. Mm. So I started with that. I wasn't making much money. That's a total side note thread. I'm just kind of bringing out the nuance. That was kind of yeah. how I started to do it. I'm like, let's try this. And I was on unemployment while I did. My first ever actual like client client, like Ben Albert client was Rochester Prep Charter School. Um, from Rochester, New York. They're part of the Uncommon District. Yep. And they wanted me to teach podcasting mm. to their students virtually. Neat. And what was fascinating about that opportunity was 
that wasn't what I set out to do with my marketing firm. Mm. But since I was unemployed, since I had just started a business podcast, since I had just uh, became self-employed, an opportunity that I would have said no to a million times, I said yes to because it was the next best thing in front of my nose and it actually sounded really interesting. And it was interesting that they were virtual mm. so I could host it virtually. And then we started first semester and second semester, they asked me to teach the regional elective of podcasting where there's multiple schools mm -hmm. that can opt in and take podcasting as like a high school elective. Yeah. So my first ever client was just them randomly reaching out to me out of the blue. And the the little like brownie point I get to add is she found me on Google mm. and emailed me and I said, how'd you find me? And she's like, I typed in podcasters in Rochester and you came up first. So that was a little bit of an ego boost that yeah. Ben, and this was because I had a music podcast at, at the time. It was a little ego boost that Ben was able to search engine optimize his website to come up first on Google. That is exactly what I do for my clients. So it mm -hmm. apparently worked for me. But as I got this podcasting um and originally it was twice a week, then it went to once a week with a long block. All I did on Friday was teach two classes. So a fifth of my, at the time, like 75% of my income was teaching that class, mm. but it gave me four days a week to start generating more income once I had that already going. And yep. then eventually, like I kind of regret not regret, but it felt bad. I ended up dropping um, that. Be it ended up being in person. It ended up being more of a time allocation. Mm -hmm. And I had a business that was paying for itself. So I didn't decide to come back and teach. But if I hadn't had that opportunity with those high school students that wanted to become the future podcasters, none of this would have been possible. So it's crazy yeah. to look back at. Yeah, that is wild. What part about your business now really like lights the fire in your soul? Mm, I like hosting my podcast. Mm. And it's really interesting because I bring on pretty big names and I'm very nervous a lot of the time. And that's part of how I know it lights the fire in my soul is like, it's very important to me. My my clients are so ridiculously important to me, watching them succeed, building their business, creating content, complex answers to complex problems. Like that is so much fun. But what lights the fire more than anything is the challenge of hosting and growing my podcast for myself because it's just my baby. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I, I believe I can, em, I, I have empathy for other business owners and I love working with driven business people with massive growth potential because that's how I feel. And I know that feeling mm -hmm. when it's your baby mm -hmm. and yeah, just the podcast, like it lights me up and humbles me and gives me anxiety, like all the emotions <laughs> hosting my show. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's the truth. That's, that is the truth. It's so cool to hear someone else say that what makes you nervous and what consistently keeps you on your toes is what you chase. Mm. Because I know that for the majority of people, if they get real nervous about something, like my palms are sweating, I'm a little bit shaky, I'm not sure what word to use, I'm going to like get the heck out of there real fast. But 
there is something about maybe it's the words, oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, you're not going to be successful if you do that. That really like drives me. It's like, Hmm. I don't know, maybe I should have been a firefighter. Let's go run into a burning building. (laughs) That sounds like fun every Mm. single day, but it's that same, oh my gosh, it's, uh, it's the adrenaline rush of getting to do something that really keeps you on your toes and you wouldn't, Ben, you would never know listening to you that you ever get nervous interviewing anyone, but wow, it's, it's That's, great to hear. It's great to hear. <laughs> I already talked about this. Like I, I, I hate saying I'm an anxious person because that's just a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I've lived a lot of my life with anxiety and some on and off depression and losing family members. And I am anxious a lot of the time. Mm. Part of the beauty of a podcast is you can't see that my palms are sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) So in a weird way, I feel like I wear a mask and something that I've been trying to do more is in-person speeches and Mm -hmm. panels and group trainings because that actually is something that I'm, again, not trained in and makes me a little uncomfortable. I feel like in the podcast, I get to wear a little bit of a mask that you can't see the sweat on my armpits. But if I was nervous in person, it might be easier to see. So I'm like, I I mastered this. Now let's take it to an in-person place where some people are naturals I might not be, but again, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it. It's a fun challenge to look natural, even though it wasn't easy from the start. Yeah. Is that something you've always been good at seeking out discomfort or is that something you've learned and adapted to? I like, I try to avoid discomfort. (laughs) When I was younger, I I don't know, there's something neurologically going on, but I struggled with simple tasks like um, Mm. tying my shoes as an Mm. example um knots were always hard for me like for some reason i struggled and i didn't think i was smart so Mm -hmm. i would actually avoid it where like i'd have um a counselor at camp tie my shoe for me or i'd triple knot them and then have them loose Mm -hmm. so i never had to untie them and tie them i think most my life i actually avoided discomfort so now it's like a mindful practice Mm. to rewire something that's embedded in me but only a part of my past and it doesn't have to be my future amen that's so important for people to hear it is okay to step into areas of discomfort mindfully and to safely approach them Mm. like you said you've started approaching them in a more public facing way but it wasn't the first step you took It was one of those small baby steps. Maybe I'm going to attempt to tie my shoes in front of the class today. That seems like a really monumental task when when that's something that's so difficult. But speaking of steps, you you Mm. quote the the Martin Luther King Jr. quote. It says, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. And then you say, I took five steps. (laughs) So what does that mean? What were those steps? Well, in so lots of places in life, but in the business context, we kind of are are at right now is I was furloughed. I didn't I didn't decide to be furloughed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was we were a lot of the business was travel and it was video production in mm-hmm. person. So COVID really 
screw that up a little bit. But the first step was revamping my LinkedIn profile. I started reaching out to businesses. I was applying. I was doing all the things that honestly you're not supposed to do. I was applying <laughs> to like 10 jobs at once and I wasn't putting much thought into it, but I was getting momentum. So LinkedIn, applying for jobs, having that aha moment that I'm a marketing professional and it's not the perfect move, but if I start my own business, I have the skill set. And luckily, I was getting money from the government because of the stimulus check mm -hmm. that allowed me to do that. So basically, all at once, I decided I'm not gonna. Actually, I'm gonna go work for myself. I got an LLC, even though I didn't need. I didn't know I didn't need an LLC to be a freelancer. I just thought mm -hmm. that it was required. So decided to go on myself. Got the LLC, revamped the music podcast it was on like a hiatus for a year. Then I revamped the business podcast. Then I st started Bauer marketing website. Then I started cold calling businesses. Then I got the um, teaching job. This all happened in the course of like 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of steps all at once. And honestly, like it was like a dance, but you've never been trained the steps and you're the <laughs> You're the follower and someone's just swinging you in directions. That's how I felt the entire time. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I literally was taking a million steps at once. Um, and I already talked about it. I was obsessive and yeah. that helped. Like I put all my angst and emotion and anger into like, let's do this thing. And I guess I did a couple things right, but I was sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are certain types of people who kind of get to blaze that trail and make all the mistakes so that hopefully other people don't have to do the same thing that we did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's also, again, there's also just this really weird level of enjoyment that I get out of making those mistakes. I don't know why. Um, maybe you could shed some light on that, but it's exciting right? Like <laughs> just kind of messing it up. Okay. That one didn't work. What can I learn from this and how can I reapply that? I don't know if it's always exciting for me. So I want to, I want to taste <laughs> what, what you've got here, because for example, when I started my business podcast, I mm -hmm. decided to do an episode a day for two weeks. Mm. I wanted momentum. I had a plenty of time on my hands. I didn't do a tremendous amount of post-production. So yeah. I'm going to do an episode a day for two weeks. Got a lot of momentum. Ended up doing 22 episodes during launch November. Did an episode a day, 22 days, Monday through Friday for all of November 2020. Wow. And you go back in the first like 12 episodes, like my mixer was set up wrong. And oh my, my voice sounds like... like like, so I, I'm going to be transparent. I have a higher voice. So I have a mixer and a mic and I set the mixer up to have a little more bass resonance because I just think it sounds better. And the highness of my voice is an insecurity. Hmm. So I had set the mixer up wrong where the <laughs> bass was way up and the treble was way down. And there's like 14 episodes straight because I did them all in like five days. There's 14 yep. episodes straight of me just sounding like really bad and you can't <laughs> even tell it's me. And what's crazy, I'm not excited that I made that mistake, but I'm mm -hmm. very excited that I did it anyways because yeah. I'm sure someone could listen and then listen and be like, what is going on with his voice? <laughs> 
but the fact that I was getting momentum at all <laughs> was the excitement. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't look back at it. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited that I got to fail. But at the end of the day, I needed, I needed to do something and I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just... bad. <laughs> it's really, really bad. You know, I haven't, I, I don't honestly know that I would have noticed had I listened to those, except now that that like little hint is in my head, I oh, may it's... notice, but <laughs> Well, and one thing I did just for space, they all still exist, but they're not all on my feed anymore. That's another thing, you know, that's, I'm open to being challenged. I know there's an inauthenticity of taking them off, um, but they're not on my public feed right now. And part of it was like the anxiety of not wanting to sound like crap. Like I'm, there's a vulnerability there, but I took I took them down because I thought they stunk. And what's mm -hmm. funny is this is a side note. Steve Sims that was on my podcast and he's he was um a concierge service for Elton John. He was like wow. been with celebrities, accomplished huge things. What he learned when he started podcasting, I'm retelling his story, so I'll butcher it. You can listen to Steve Sims on my yeah. show. But he um his mentor said record 18 episodes and then call me. And so we recorded 18 episodes and then called him and he said, and the mentor said, all right, listen back to all 18 and make a decision. Are you comfortable with your clout and your influence and who you are releasing this as your big launch product? And he already had a built in audience, so he could possibly lose the audience if it's poor, poor quality. Yeah. And he and said he ended up scrapping like 14 to 16 of them. And it was, he, he cracks me up. He calls up everybody who he had talked to and he said, I'm sorry. When we recorded, there was a serious technical error and the technical <laughs> error, the technical issue was me. I sounded like crap and pretty much I'm sure he missed one or two. Everyone was willing to do that second interview. Mm -hmm. Um, he learned. He put himself in a vulnerable position. People gave him a second chance. He launched with confidence. I don't recommend anybody who's just trying to get started to do that because that's an overwhelming thing. Yes. But even people that are already top of their game with a built-in audience make huge mistakes and mm -hmm. you can kind of just forget them. <laughs> they don't have yeah. to define you. They really yeah. don't have to define you. When you said 18 and he scrapped 14, I got heart palpitations because <laughs> of my first, who knows now, 20 some episodes, yeah. one of them, I forgot to hit record mm. and it was so good. It was such a great conversation. And I cried. I cried over it because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I just spent all this time with someone. I took up their time yeah. to do this and I was the problem. But we re-recorded it and the second one was even better. Wow. And it's it's amazing two things that come from this. One, that, yeah, we're going to screw up. We are automatically going to screw up. And the only time that that's a failure is when we choose not to learn from it. And two is that people will give you a second chance because we forget this. We're all human. We're all figuring this thing out that we call life no matter whether you are the you know second richest man in the world 
or you're just an everyday person who is just trying to figure out how to put the shoe on the right foot. Mm. We're all figuring life out. So we have this sort of built in level of grace for one another that we sometimes forget is there unless we test it. It's like, you know, test that rope bridge and, and just see, because it'll surprise you what kind of weight it can hold. Oh, I guess we have come to that time where I ask you five random rapid fire questions and you respond with the first thing that comes to mind. So let's see. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I have a rapid fire round and being concise is actually not a skill set of mine. So I'm going to do same, my best same to dive right in. <laughs> this is why we host and we challenge ourselves to listen more. <laughs> All right. What is your guilty pleasure? Music comes to mind, but it's not really a guilty pleasure. That's all right. I'd say I'd say camping plus music, where mm -hmm. I don't get much sleep, but I go to a music festival for like three days straight. Yeah. So totally worth the time and exhaustion to be around music and the nature. It's and that's so pleasure. fun because my other question was, what's your favorite outdoor activity? So is it music festivals or is it something else? It's got to be music festivals. I love hiking. I love camping. Mm -hmm. I love just listening to mm -hmm. the sounds of Mother Earth. But favorite is when I'm taking music, friends, and camping and weaving them all together. So Yeah. yeah. You don't even need a music festival for that. Just a guitar, some bongos, and a fire. Yeah. <laughs> and someone playing free falling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We could talk about that, but man, I've had that experience. That's for sure. What's something you need to do for yourself daily? I have a morning routine and it's not a requirement, but it prepares me for the day mm -hmm. um, without going through the whole routine. I need to get quick wins and that's generally through self-care. Mm -hmm. So fill my cup daily to allow myself to help others. Mm, wonderful. What's the best little known local business? Little known, best little known mm -hmm. local business. I mean, it's self-serving, but I'm coming to mind. <laughs> you're, you're coming to mind. Um, I want to shout out my friends at Flower City Station because we've talked yeah. about music a lot. And that's one of my favorite music venues. Mm. And I've been supporting them for over 10 years. So I love Flower City Station in Rochester, New York. Yeah. Yeah. I will throw a uh, website or a shout out to them in the show notes too. What is one thing everyone should start doing today? Start doing today. Take this podcast and implement one thing. I'm not a fan of the word should because I don't mm -hmm. know their life and I don't want to tell them to do something they're already doing. Yeah. But if one thing sparked any interest implement it today. And I don't know what that is, but hopefully they do. And hopefully they didn't. And if nothing did, um, next time something sparks interest or joy, yeah. implement whatever created that spark. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. This was a really awesome conversation. And uh, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you or find you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so it's easy peasy. Um, first off, thank you for having me. Like support 
Bridget and review, comment, like, thumbs up, subscribe, wherever you are, show some love here and then just search Real Business Connections wherever you found this. So mm -hmm. whether that's Google or a podcast platform, mm -hmm. type in Real Business Connections and you'll find me. But if you're willing, take the extra 30 seconds to support Bridget first because none of it, this wouldn't be possible without her. And then you can find me wherever you are right now, I guess, right? And Ben, this wouldn't be possible without you. So I appreciate you very much. Thank you for, Thank for you. returning that gratitude. And uh, yeah, we will talk again soon, I'm sure. Sounds like a plan. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now. This show is completely ad-free, so if you gain value from listening, please leave a review and share with a friend. I am so grateful for you. Thank you.